Welcome to the Business Leadership Series, where we engage with leaders who are making an impact on their worlds and who want to share their knowledge and experience for your personal and professional growth. The following interview is designed to inspire you to become the best leader you can be. Your host, Derek Champagne, is the founder and CEO of The Artist Evolution, a full-service agency building successful brands, marketing tools, and campaigns, and also the author of the best-selling book, Don't Buy a Duck. And now, let's begin today's Leadership Series interview. Welcome to the Business Leadership Series, where our goal is to inspire you to become the best leader that you can be. Our guest today, Ishveen Anand, she is the CEO and founder of Open Sponsorship. It's an amazing platform, the largest marketplace connecting brands with over 5,500 professional athletes for marketing campaigns. Anand has also been named for Forbes 30 Under 30 Sports List, and also her company has been a Sports Technology Award finalist, category Best Technology, facilitating commercial returns. Ishveen, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Derek, for having me on. Yeah, I'm personally interested because, it, well, first of all, we know a few of the, we have some mutual friends and contacts. Our agency loves your service, so we've used it for some clients as well. I would love to start, though, before we talk about your company, give us a little bit of background on you. You've got an interesting background from Manchester to University of Oxford, just to kind of give us an insight more so our listeners can learn about who you are as a person, and then we'll kind of talk a little bit about your journey. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, so I was born and raised in England, uh, grew up in Manchester. I played sports all my life, um, predominantly cricket and netball, which I know is pretty foreign to most people in America. <laughs> Um, anyway, kind of, um, did well academically as well, got into University of Oxford, studied economics and management. And I think like most young people, you kind of think your career path is very set, you know, consulting or accounting or whatever it may be. So I, I went into consulting and I did love it, worked in retail consultancy and it was amazing and, and worked with amazing people. But there was always something kind of like gnawing at me. And I think sports had always been such a big part of my life in terms of playing that when I went into this day job and I was, you know, working these hours in the office, I realized that, you know, sports was no longer like the primary thing I did, which I'm sure a lot of um, athletes, student athletes can kind of sympathize with. Mm -hmm. And so 2009, I was like, you know, if kind of recession was coming in and I was like, London's looking a bit doom and gloom. If I take a step out and come back, nothing's going to change. So I moved to India and became a sports agent, um, predominantly working in cricket, but I also covered golf and field hockey and um, soccer and various other sports. And just and that was really like how I fell in love with sponsorship. I, you know, I, I just couldn't believe that there was this form of marketing that got executives, customers, logos into the heart of the action or, you know, into the heart of the, the player's mind and mm. um, just really fell in love with sponsorship. You know, thanks for sharing that. I think it's pretty exciting that you have the largest in your space. So tell me, though, let's go back a little bit more. I want to hear about a few things from from your childhood or from your work ethic or from your schooling. Like what what drove you? Because building a company like this is is not for the faint of heart. Uh, it's one thing to have an idea, and we talk about this often, and it's another thing to actually execute and follow it. And founded in 2009, is that correct? So Open Sponsorship was actually founded in, oh gosh, it's been about four years now. Okay. Um, so fell into sponsorship 2009, but didn't have the idea for the company until probably 24, late 2014 and, hmm. and launched the website 2015. So that's a relatively short amount of time. 
uh, for, to launch a, a business that is doing this well. So give me some insight. Give us some insight into some things in your background that helped you with your drive and your focus that has helped you today. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll give you a, actually a funny story um, that just kind of happened to me this week. So um, I still have, you know, because I was working in India, I still have a couple of bank accounts there and uh, having some issues with the government there. And so I was on the phone to an accountant that had been referred to me. I'd never met him and called him up. And I was like, hey, I need this number. And he was like, yes, of course. When I'm in the office tomorrow, I'll send it to you. Radio silence. Next day, called again. He was like, yeah, five minutes. I'll send you to five minutes. Nothing happened again and again. And, and you know, America's much better. England's obviously developed world much better as well. But like working in India, you you really learn to like, the job is never done until it's literally done. Like you can never take anyone's word for it. You have to do it yourself. You have to lead by example. And um, despite the fact that I was, you know, a kind of senior sponsorship exec at like these major sports teams in India, um, I knew that like, if I didn't lift a finger, no one else would around me because that was unfortunately the work ethic of India. And, mm. and not, not everyone, but many people. And just this week, it reminded me and I was actually complaining to my mother-in-law and I was like, I can't believe people can work in India. Like I know I used to do it. And, and then I was thinking like that probably made me who I am today, where I have this mentality that like, you kind of have to do it yourself if no one else will. And mm. no task is below you. And people around you will end up rising around you when they see that you're doing the grunt work too and as an entrepreneur and then moving into like a leadership position it couldn't be more true because I think my team looks at me and says okay well if she's the first one in the office I can be the first one in the office if she's the last one out I can be the last one out if she's ready to send those um you know crappy cold emails to people she's never met <laughs> so can I and so I think like that a lot of my like work ethic probably comes from like being taught how to be successful in India and I think it translates over to the business world. Mm, thanks for sharing that. How do you stay so focused? It takes it takes a great focus to not get distracted and to build something that's streamlined and and for and and, and so clean like this product that you've built that's on that's a two sided marketplace. How, how do you maintain that focus and not get distracted? You know what I've realized is, and, and I think actually doing sales myself, um, less so now, but at the beginning, obviously, I was the only person doing sales, um, has really helped. And, and what I realize is that you and I can have a conversation, Derek, and I might suggest all these really like great ideas to you. When you turn around and go back to your desk, um, or let's say we discuss over dinner and drinks, and in the morning you go back to office, you go to the office, your inbox is full of hot fires, like top priorities that you need to work on. Mm. And what we talked about is like essentially irrelevant to a lot of that stuff. And if it is relevant, then boom, we've just done something magic and we're going to work together. We're going to have a successful partnership. And I think knowing that about the people I sell to, so a great example is, uh, I know you're based in Arkansas, let's say I'm talking to someone at Walmart and we have this great idea and I'm like, oh, athletes love Walmart and we can do X, Y, Z. But if their primary problem today in the workplace is internal politics or um, they're organizing their wedding, there is a very low chance that they will actually move on anything I'm saying, even if it's the best ideas in the world. Yeah. And so I reverse that for myself. And I now recognize that it's kind of fun always to talk about, like you and I could talk about an idea, but I also know that when I turn to my desk, my inbox is full of, you know, my team's needs, like whether it's financial or whatever it may be. And so 
I end up working when I do take steps. The bad thing about it is that maybe I'm not doing as much as I could do in terms of like new ideation. But the good thing about that is I know that what I'm doing is complementing the needs of the business today. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. Tell me about tell me about how you deal with challenges or setbacks. Uh, there, there's it's it's inevitable. It's part of our learning experience for growth, but. Some, some business owners, some leaders have trouble getting past it in those small moments. What do you do? How, how do you address setbacks? What's your mindset? How do you get your team to rally around you? What does that scenario look like? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a good question. So I think personally, I think I'm really good at dealing with challenges and setbacks. Um, maybe the athlete side. Yeah, I, I've got this. I always used to joke with my husband that like, um, and he's American, and I'd say, you know, playing sports is so good early on in life because it teaches you how to lose. Hmm. And he would always laugh at me and be like, ha, 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 I only played sports to win um, <laughs> in his very, very American way. Um, but, like, I think, like, you know, you, you just – people always say to me, oh, my God, you're so lucky. And, and I actually say it's not that I'm lucky. I just took a lot more chances. Like, you know, obviously I'm not, not going to tell you about all the things I tried and failed at, all the jobs I may have interviewed at that didn't get a second round or whatever mm. it may be. So I think personally we're actually quite good at dealing with challenges. I think the hardest thing is optics. And, and it's interesting because you actually talked about team. And I think that's where most people um, slip up. So let's say I have an employee who leaves. And for me, for the company, doesn't make that much of a difference. It was probably a good thing. It's mutual. But what does it do to team morale? And, and what does it say about me as a leader? And did I fail? And and I think the team side of things is really hard. And to be honest, I'm still working through that. Mm. Um, but I think, you know, I, and I read a lot about it. So I think one is that going too much one way or the other way like trying to justify why it's not a bad thing is also is bad but then also being like oh my gosh and, and making it super drama is really bad and I think it's about communicating it's about maybe having someone internally like so my co-founder um, Ron is a really good soundboard for me for me and so when I'm going through a challenge I'm like hey like what do you what does it look like to you and getting his opinion is really helpful because it shows me what other people are thinking. And, and I do think that most of dealing with challenges is optics as opposed to what it actually does to you. Yeah, that's a great point. You, you made me think when you share that one thing is a Stockdale paradox, which is talks about a good to great of being brutally honest about your current situation. I had to do that a year ago after 10 year, a decade in business with our agency, uh, 11 years in, we had to do a pivot and, a, and relook at our marketplace. And I had to start with myself and, and, and be brutally honest about what we needed to change. Uh, but, but the Stockdale paradox says be brutally honest, but also with the hope and a, and a vision that you'll prevail. And I think those yeah. are important. But you also mentioned uh, having someone around you. And I was in a, in a mastermind group yesterday where somebody felt like the sky was falling in their business. And, and, and they talked to nine other business owners. And it was all things we all commonly dealt with. So tell me about having a mentorship or having people around you uh, to help support or to, to help you in your role as a, as, a, as a visionary, as a CEO, as someone that's charged with the vision of growing the company. How important is that? And how, what does mentorship or accountability mean to you? Yeah, I think it's um, wildly important. And I, I didn't, I don't think I put enough onus on it in the first probably three years of the business. So in the last year, um, we have an advisor now, uh, his name's Michael Peachy, who works at HubSpot. And um, 
exactly what you're saying where the reason why I took him on as an advisor was because he was like, you look like, you look and feel a lot like HubSpot in the early days. Wow. So, you know, whether it's retention or whether it's like scaling or whether it's selling to smaller clients or whatever it may be. And um, I feel like I'm really good at pattern matching. The thing is you need to have people around you who, so when I say pattern matching, I mean, obviously the fact that like, I don't need them to tell me what to do with open sponsorship. What I need to hear is what have you done for yourself? And then I can draw parallels. Hmm. And so I think it's super important to have people around you who have kind of seen the script. Um, and that the, the tough thing is, is that that's not always the most senior person, not the most flashy name. Um, you know, like B2C founders are not probably as relevant for me because I'm B2B. Um, we sell marketing technology. So if you sell health tech, there's probably less parallels. So I think if you really, and not just to surround yourself with like really similar people, but I do think like you should have different groups. So I have a founder group that I meet up with and they're like similar stage founders based in New York because for them, a, a, a big thing is like hiring in New York is very different to hiring in other places. I mean, salaries here are crazy high. Um, and so you know, when I meet them, it's all about like, okay, being a CEO of a company, being a founder. Whereas when I speak to Peachy, it's all about um, scaling a marketing technology company. And then, you know, I haven't got that many, but I should probably have someone in sports who I can bounce ideas off for sports and entertainment. But essentially, I don't think it's about one person. I think it's about different support networks. And to be honest, I'd say they probably refresh every two years hmm. as well. You know, you, you shared something really interesting. I don't remember what you called it. I want you to share it again, please. But you talked about drawing your own parallels from their story and their experience. Uh, yeah, pattern matching. Yeah. And I'll tell you why it's so important. Because when you sit down with someone and they say, well, you should do this, you should do this, you should do this. It's exactly looping back to what we were talking about earlier, where they might have these great ideas, but they might not even fit into what your priorities are today. I mean, how many people, when they give advice, first say, okay, well, Ish, tell me all of the things that you need or what are your biggest fires? And then how often are you honest about that for them to give you the best recommendation? And so right. the reason why the reason why I love pattern matching is because I'm like, listen, you tell me what you did and I should be able to draw stories out of that that apply to me as opposed to like you giving me some hypothetical thing about my company. It's really great. Thank you for sharing that. I'm, I'm taking notes right now for myself because yeah. that just is so relevant to, to, to my world too and a couple of companies. And thanks for sharing that. I want to talk about your, I want to talk about your business. Let's t tell us a little bit, give us a, little, a plug and give us kind of the, the overview about open sponsorship. I'm personally familiar with it, but I, but I, but I want our listeners to, to know more about it if they don't already. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you. Um, so, Sports sponsorship, as I said, fell in love with it, wonderful form of marketing, $60 billion industry, but super like, heavily reserved for the top biggest brands. I mean, you're talking like Fortune 100. And for the, when you think about sports sponsorship, you think Madison Square Gardens and, and big brand. And then you think about maybe LeBron James and, or like you know, Hulu, big company, big budgets. And so where I came at it was, why are these connections not being made for non Fortune 500 or even within Fortune 500, like why are they not being made for smaller brands or whatever it may be? And so I just felt like there, there should be a place. Um, I looked at LinkedIn, I looked at Airbnb and I thought these industries um, 
recruitment, dating, real estate, they've been absolutely revolutionized because of a marketplace where there is full transparency between what's available, what's on offer, price point, and the needs of the other party. And I thought, why is there not one of those for ours? And so, like you mentioned, we are the largest marketplace. We have over five and a half thousand athletes. And what we do really well is saying, you know, if you have the money to spend on LeBron James, we'd obviously love to work with you. But the chances are you know how to get that direct. But when it comes to working with Jordan Clarkson or, you know, like the NFL player that's a linebacker who's very influential regionally and who may have like a decent following, but, you know, his agent lives in L.A., you know, he doesn't really understand his interests. That's where we come in with our marketplace. Hmm. I love it. Thanks for sharing that. What, what are you what are you most proud of to date? It can be a big moment. It can be a small moment. Uh, small moments are big sometimes too, but what, what do you, what's your proudest memory or, or your proudest accomplishment? Oh, um, I mean, there's quite a few and it's obviously like this, there's a, there's a good team of us. I think one of them that does stand out is, um, we managed to get an investment from, um, Baron Davis, who's wow. the NBA all-star. Mm-hmm. And, I'd say the reason why, and I know there's a lot of athletes who are investing in startups, but you have to like realize like well, Baron Davis was basically retiring from basketball. I basically just moved to the country, so I moved here 2013, and you know I had no background in American sports. Like I basically knew my husband and, and like two other people in America, yeah. um, and so him investing in us showed that like. You don't need to, you can break through all those barriers and you can get in front of someone and you can deliver the pitch. And it took, it took about, uh, I met him for the first time at CES, um, in Vegas and then he invested in us in July. Um, and it was a a sizable check. And I just think like it, for me, it kind of, it gave me a lot of validation that like an NBA all-star invested in us. Mm. But personally, I felt like here's a British Indian girl who like had no reason being in that room, like I managed, and, and it says a lot about him, but it, it was also a very proud moment for me. Hmm. Thanks. That's amazing. That's that's quite an accomplishment. And I know it's been a, a fast ride. It probably feels like a, a long time when you're in the day-to-day, but yeah. uh, it's, it's it's moved fast. And looking, you know, I've had companies that have had several companies. Some have failed and some have done all right. Uh, but, but they don't, they haven't always launched and grown as quickly as what you're doing. So that's, that's really big kudos to you for that. I want to ask you a few more questions. One is, you know, the question of balance comes up all the time. So, you know, how do you stay balanced? How do you find balance? How do you find time for hobbies and, and, and your health? But I want to know in that, in that conversation, how do you, or do you take time to celebrate wins with all the things that are happening? What, what do you do? How do you, how do you do that? I know a lot of ambitious people move right past, uh, those things, myself included, we are onto the next thing and we're building, building. How do you take time to celebrate wins? Yeah, so it's really important. Great question, really important. Um, So micro things that we'll do is, so we get an email every time a deal is accepted. It it feels really nice and it could be the smallest deal, it could be a big deal. Um, I think making sure that you have systems in place to let people know, um, you know, so everyone in our company gets it and, you know, advisor gets it, my husband gets it. Um, and so I think those little things really help. Um, so I would encourage everyone to have like a, you, you know, you, you meet a lot of startups where like a bell goes off every time and uh, every, sorry, every time a customer signs up. Hmm. Um, 
a lot of times it's not about someone chanting the success. It's just about you having a process that allows you to enjoy them. Hmm. I think that's really important. Um, I do think that if celebrating success is so important for team morale because conversely, when it's not going successful, you you do have to highlight it. And so if you don't celebrate the success, I mean, for people who don't, um, who think it's unimportant, what happens is then you only have a culture of highlighting the negative, not the positive. Hmm. So super important to do that. And then I, I do think there are t- things like you're saying, I think as a, as a CEO founder, like it is really hard when you're, you're like, well, I've still got so much more to do, right? Like we are in the process of signing a, a major, major media company and I know the second that we sign them, it's going to be like, cool, what next? Um, So I think that is difficult. But then the point being is when, as long as we've got the email that tells us when they do deals and as long as, you know, in our monthly meeting, we can be like, here are the new people that have signed up and we've got the processes in place to to let everyone know, um, I I think it's a good enough job. Anything else you want to share with us just before we go? I want to, I want to first of all, open sponsorship.com, visit there. But any other final messages or mm-hmm. top of my message you want to share about leadership style or, or advice and admonition for our audience? Yeah, no, you, you said something interesting about balance. And I think that's really, um, it's a big issue at the moment. You know, there's a lot of like books about like working less and having a balanced life. Uh, I have to admit, and then I might change my mind and I'll come back on in like five years and tell you differently. <laughs> but um, I think it's impossible to have hmm. true balance yeah. and true career success. And I think people just have to stop feeling guilty about it. And I think you have to be really true to who you are. So great example, my husband's just picked up surfing and um, he goes every weekend to the beach. And, you know, there are times when I'll go and I will just sit there reading books on leadership or, or do work or I'll take my laptop to the beach. And people are like, well, why don't you pick up surfing? And I'm like, listen, I just don't have the time and I'm not going to feel bad about it. And I'm not going to let the fact that you look at me being like, oh, you should relax a bit more, like make other, like any, do anything else. And so the price to pay for, um, a, a strong career growth is that you are going to have to let, like not do things that maybe you want to do. I think what you have to realize is what's important to you. So working out is very important to me. Exercise is very important to me. My family is very important to me. So I know what I'll make time for, but I don't need to be the person that goes to the museum every weekend because that's cool because I'm okay not doing that. And I think that's when you see people get burnt out is because they're trying to just be everything to everyone and do everything. Mm. And it's just impossible. Well, that's great advice. Thank you so much. Permission to, if you're going to embrace that side, permission to embrace it and not feel guilty about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's excellent. Uh, Ishveen, thank you so much. Our guest, Ishveen Anand, CEO, founder of Open Sponsorship, OpenSponsorship.com. Thanks again for being our guest, and we look forward to watching the next great things that you're doing. Awesome. Thank you, Derek. You've been listening to the Business Leadership Series, where we engage with leaders who are making an impact on their worlds and who want to share their knowledge and experience for your personal and professional growth. This interview was designed to inspire you to become the best leader you can be.